That's all right. Don't worry. Too late. morning and Merry Christmas everyone. It's a pleasure to be with you. Let's go ahead and start the service with prayer. Father, thank you so much for this morning. We worship you as we, we come into your presence this Christmas morning. Thank you for this gathering and we pray that this service once again would be an offering that would be pleasing to you, Lord, and that we would properly honor you and your son for what he did in our behalf. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are so thankful that you're here with us this morning. Merry Christmas, and we're going to start the service off with a song by Spike and Agnes. Dead. 
and I believe I will always sing this little child is the king oh I Many years have come and gone, yet this world remains the same. Empires have been built and fallen, only time has made a change. Nation against nation, brothers against brothers. Men so filled with hatred, killing one another. And over half the world is starving, while a banner of decency is torn. Debating over disarmament, killing children before they're born. And fools who march to win the right to justify their sin. Every nation that has fallen has fallen from within. Still in the midst of this darkness, there's a hope, a light that burns. This little child, the king of kings, one day will return and I believe I will always sing this little child is the king yes I I will always sing this little child. He is the king of kings. child was who the prophet said would return to judge this world the living and the dead 
Oh, can't you see that long ago and very far away this little child, our only hope, was born a king that day. Amen. And this time around, a, a special thank you, Spike. Some of you know, just a few days ago, he was in the hospital. Who would have thought he'd been here singing this morning? He told me in the hospital, Mike, I am going to be singing on Christmas Day. Uh, you don't argue with the man. <laughs> Praise the Lord, he's here. Thank you so much for blessing us. Hey, let's stand and sing some Christmas carols. Angels we have heard on high.
Amen. Thank you. Let's be seated.
Amen. Thank you, choir. Let's stand again and sing the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain.
such an awesome thought. Well, we are so glad that you are here with us this morning. Uh, we recognize there are a lot of places you could be this morning, but what a better place to be than in Church of Christ, Jesus' Church, to honor him this morning. So we are so glad that you're here with us this morning. Um, if you're here with us for the first time, welcome. So glad that you're here with us, especially this morning. Um, if you'd like to know more information about our church, we welcome you to stop at the Connection Corner in the back there as you leave this morning. They'll give you some information about our church, um, the ministries of the church, um, all kinds of information, including a gift bag for you to keep as our gift to you this morning. Um, just a few reminders here. Um, there is no evening service tonight. We encourage you to spend some time with your family um, and loved ones this evening. And then there's also no junior church. So um, normally we would have a junior church time, and, but this morning we're going to keep everyone together uh, for the service. You'll also notice on the back uh, or the connection corner, this is not just for visitors, but this is for kids and those who feel young at heart. Um, last night we had a, a wonderful uh, Christmas Eve program, which we gave uh, gift bags to the children. Uh, we recognize some of those children may not have been here last night. So if you are one of those children and you would like to pick up a gift bag, you can go ahead and grab one after the service. And after the kids have grabbed them, if you're an adult here and you are just so curious, what is in that bag back there? You can get one too, all right? We just, we want to get rid of those bags, all right? All right, a few other things here. Um, January 17th is our annual business meeting. Uh, the ballots are posted on the bulletin board in the hallway. If you want to take a look at that. And then also this coming Wednesday, um, there will be no kids club and there's going to be no youth group. All right. So this Wednesday, there's, there's no children's programs or teen programs, but we will have a regular Wednesday night prayer service. So we encourage you to come back out for that. All right. Okay, I'm going to turn it over to Stand together for prayer. Father, what a joy it is to be together this morning. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this time of year and for this day in which we would, in a special way, remember that when the fullness of time was come, you sent forth your Son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Father, we are grateful this morning that we come together as your children to worship you and to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we are thankful this morning that you have enabled us to be here health-wise, that you have given us the freedoms to enjoy so that we can come together. And I pray, Father, that truly our hearts and minds would be upon you and focused upon you this morning. There, there is much that could distract us and certainly good things that could distract us. And yet for this hour, I pray, Father, that we'd be able to set those things aside and concentrate upon you and focus upon you and worship you in spirit and in truth. We do pray, Father, for each one who's here this morning that you would just give them the, the mind and heart that would 
desire nothing more than to follow Jesus Christ. He's told us to daily deny ourselves, take up our cross, and to follow him. And I pray, Father, that through this Christmas season, we would be brought closer to you, and that we would be determined more and more to follow our Savior, to be truly his disciples. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to have victory over those sins in our lives that, that do beset us, and that we'd be able to just to grow in our faith, to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That we would not allow this uh, holiday season to, to just be a, another time to, to celebrate, another time to have fun, another time to have parties, but that it would truly be a time to concentrate upon your love for us and your grace in our behalf. And even this morning as we open your word for a few moments, we recognize that Christ came and was full of grace and truth. And we received of his fullness grace upon grace. Because sin abounded, grace must abound much more. And we thank you for that abounding grace in our lives and for the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
we'd like to ask the pastors and their families to please come up. So while we're waiting for them to come up here, um, I want to say that while Glenn called me the other night and asked if I'd like to have the privilege of presenting the Christmas gifts to the pastors, and I said, well, I don't know, but he called me at 9.30 at night, and my mind couldn't think of an excuse not to do it. <laughs> so here I am. Um, so for those of you who know me, know that I am absolutely terrified of public speaking terrified of it so we'll try to get through this without you know making a complete fool of myself so luckily I have my beautiful wife up here to help me and since she is the friendly one of the group I will allow her to be the one to hand these things out um, so first off I want to say that it is uh, an honor to be up here to present this to you guys um, we're very thankful for what you pastors do in this church. We're thankful for Eddie and his willingness to come and minister to us. Uh, Mike, it's been an absolute blast, you know, playing in praise team with you. And Pastor Don, I mean, I, I've been here since you started, and it's been just absolutely a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Um, I will say, though, that with after hearing Pastor Eddie do some preaching, he might have your job in a couple years, just so you know, so, okay? So, all right. So, yes, it, it is an absolute wonderful blessing, and we are very, very thankful for you guys as a families, and we hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. I'll never see it. <laughs> Merry <Thank> Christmas. <laughs> Every year you're very gracious to us. We thank you for that. We are so, and I know I speak for Mike and Eddie as well, we feel so undeserving. And yet you are so gracious and so loving, and we know that you pray for us regularly, not just at Christmas time, and that means so much to us. So we just want to express our thanks, and uh, um, it's great to see the kids up here, isn't it? I told Lynn this morning, I said, uh, you know, Eddie and Jessica and Mike and Lisa and the kids are coming up, and I guess we're the grandma and grandpa this morning. I, we have no kids, but uh, it's so... Uh, Great to have uh, Mike and Eddie serving alongside of us, and we appreciate that so much, and their wives, and uh, great to have their, their kids as well. Just looking forward to uh, these next uh, year and a half as I continue uh, serving, but then looking towards retirement. I don't know, 30 years ago, I didn't think that I'd ever see retirement. The Lord had to come first, uh, you know. The rapture was my retirement plan. And then all of a sudden it started realizing, you know, I don't know, maybe the Lord's not going to come back before I retire. Maybe I ought to make some plans. But I'm still hoping 
that I don't retire, that he comes back first. <laughs> and so uh, we continue to serve and just thank you so much. We appreciate you. We love you. And uh, thank you for your love and grace towards us. Thank you.
all glory go to the king of kings and lord of lords amen. amen praise him he is worthwhile for singing and worshiping everything goes up to him praise the lord let's stand one more time and sing a christmas version of crown him with many crowns
Christmas, let's be seated. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 1. No doubt there are many of you who Got up this morning, we're sitting around the Christmas tree opening presents. If you have young ones in the home, that process probably started rather early this morning. So if you're a parent of a young one, if you fall asleep while I'm preaching, I understand. Go right ahead. You know, as you get older, you begin to realize perhaps a little more fully the truth of Acts chapter 20 and verse 35 where it says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Don't get me wrong, we all like to get presents, don't we? It's exciting. But really, as you get older, you begin to realize it really is a lot more fun to give presents. When you're giving it out of love and out of grace, that probably every one of us here, probably this Christmas season at one time or another, gave a gift out of obligation. <laughs> you know, maybe you had to give a gift to your boss or something, you know, something that you really didn't necessarily want to, but it was just expected and you had to do it. That's not such a blessing. But when you give a gift out of just love and, and grace, it's, it's such a blessing to do so. And as we think about God's gift to us and the sending of his son, it certainly was out of his love and his grace. We didn't deserve it. He didn't owe it to us in any way. Out of his love and out of his grace, he sent his son to be the savior of the world. And so we think of that grace this morning. And here in John chapter 1 and verse 14, we read, The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spoke. He that comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The emphasis of grace in these verses. And certainly we see God's grace in the sending of his Son. We continue to see God's grace as we trust him as Savior. Let's bow in prayer. Father, guide us for these few moments together as we look into your word and as we just celebrate the birth of Christ and what that truly means and the significance of it. And we thank you, Father, and celebrate your grace in sending your Son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, as we looked at the lineage of Christ, we saw that uh, some in the lineage of Christ, and I just realized that I do not have my... Bear with me one second. I'll be back. 
take my pulpit away and I'm all discombobulated. We saw in the lineage of Christ that uh, there were a lot of uh, unseemly people in that lineage. Immoral people, people of questionable character in the lineage of Christ. You would have thought that, that Christ would have chosen only very spiritual people to be in the lineage of His Son. But that wasn't the case. If you remember, we, we saw that uh, there was the Jacob, for example, whose very name means deceiver. And he lived up to that name many times. And then there was Judah. Remember, he's the one that he thought he was soliciting a prostitute. It was actually his daughter-in-law who was trying to trick him, which is a whole other story. They have a son, this really illicit son, an incestuous son, if you will, uh, Perez. And Perez is in the lineage of Christ. And we have the, uh, the Canaanite prostitute, Rahab. And we, we mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. David, who commits adultery with Bathsheba and then makes sure that her husband gets killed in battle and then he takes her for his own wife and, and their son is in the lineage of David uh, or in the lineage of Christ. You would have thought that Christ would have chosen just very spiritual people, but he chooses these individuals? Now, he didn't choose these individuals for us to get the impression that he condones sin or that he just overlooks sin or that he just ignores sin or that he really doesn't care about sin. No, he chose these individuals to display to us his grace, his grace and forgiveness as he forgives these individuals and he, and he uses them in the lineage of his own son. And it just is a reminder to us that God in his grace can use even me. He can use you as we turn to Him and as He forgives, He can use us. And so we, we see the grace of God. Not only do we see the grace of God, and, and, and again, it's, it's not that He condones their sin or ignores it, but just His, His grace and forgiveness, but even in the choosing of Mary. You know, Mary was, was certainly from Scripture. We know she was a, a spiritual young woman. And yet she was a sinner. Now some of her friends would, would say that Mary wasn't a sinner. They believe in, in the Immaculate Conception, that uh, she, was, uh, she was sinless when she conceived. But the Scripture doesn't teach that. She was a sinner. In fact, uh, you know, the, the Christmas story that we read in, in Luke chapters 1 and 2, and, and we read uh, that the angel appeared to Mary and said, Hail, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Highly favored. You know that word favored is the word grace? You are highly graced. Blessed are you among women. Not blessed are you above women. Blessed are you among women. Mary needed grace also. She was a sinner among women and among us. She needed grace. Later on, the angel said, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The word favor there is the word grace. You have found grace with God. She needed grace as a sinner just like you and me. In fact, Mary herself, as we read in, in Luke chapter 1, the, what is often referred to as Mary's Magnificent, she acknowledges God as my Savior. She recognized she needed a Savior just like the rest of us because she was a sinner. It's 
a display of God's grace. As we read here in John chapter 1, it says, uh, the word was made flesh. Uh, Earlier on in chapter 1 of John, we we recognize that the word is referring to Christ. Uh, He's referred to as the word because just as, as my words reveal my thoughts and my intents. You know, you don't, you don't know what my thoughts are. You don't know what my intentions are until I communicate that to you in my words. And so in that same sense, Christ is the Word of God as He manifests and expresses the thoughts and intents of God. Not only that, but in, in Scripture, we understand that, that uh, in the Old Testament especially, God's, God's Word was His power fulfilling His purpose. In Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke, and His power went forth and fulfilled His purpose. In the same way, Christ was the Word of God. He was the power of God fulfilling the purpose of God. And so, we recognize that the Word was made flesh. And we see God's grace in sending His Son. And that Word, as we recognize is the power of God fulfilling the purpose of God and manifesting the thoughts and intents of God. That's why he's referred to as the Word of God. And he was made flesh. Now, if he's going to manifest the thoughts and intents of God, he has to be God. Nobody else can manifest my thoughts and my intents. Only I can do that. You can't read my mind. I have to be able to express that to you. And if he's going to be the power of God fulfilling the purpose of God, he has to be God. And so when he says he's the word of God, it's referring to the fact that he is God, but God was made flesh. He became a man. And he became a man so that he could die for man. We read in Hebrews that that he did not become an angel to save the angels. He became a man to save men. And so as he was made flesh, it is God becoming a man, taking upon himself flesh, the incarnation. And as he takes upon that flesh, it says he dwelt among us. He dwelt among us. Um, Some of you realize that that word dwelt is the Greek word that's used to refer to the Old Testament tabernacle. I think maybe a better translation here would be that he was made flesh and tabernacled among us. Now remember what the purpose of was, uh, the purpose of the Old Testament tabernacle? It was the place of sacrifice, but it was also the, the place where God chose to dwell amongst his people. The glory of God came and dwelt in the tabernacle, later on the temple. But the tabernacle represented God's dwelling place in the midst of his people. Well, Christ came and tabernacled among us. He was God in the midst of his people. He was the God-man, fully God, the Word. He was made flesh, became fully man, and he tabernacled among us. He was God in our midst, and so he became man so that he could indeed save man. And he tabernacled among us. He dwelt in our midst. He was Emmanuel, God with us. But notice the last part of verse 14. 
as John writes this, this, this commentary, he was full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Not just a little bit of grace, not just a little bit of truth, not just enough grace to bounce out the truth or not just enough truth to bounce out the grace. You know, we, we often think about that as, well, I need to balance grace and truth. Well, it's not really a balancing act. Christ was full of all truth and all grace. There was no balancing out between the two. It was just full of both. We don't do so well at that. We tend to maybe emphasize one over the other sometimes. And we sometimes maybe emphasize truth and we, we take our stand for truth and we're not going to compromise that truth and, and we're going to preach that truth and, and as we should. We should proclaim truth and we should take a stand for truth and we should not compromise truth. And yet we often take that stand on truth and show little grace. We aren't forgiving. We aren't loving. We become very judgmental. We take our stand for truth, but we show little grace. Or sometimes it can be the opposite. Show all kinds of grace and, and, and we want to love and we want to forgive and we talk about God's love and we talk about God's forgiveness, and, but we don't really speak truth. We don't talk about sin. We don't talk about the necessity of repentance. We don't talk about the necessity of forgiveness through that repentance and by God's grace, we, we, we tend to emphasize the grace with little truth. But Christ was full of grace and truth, and that, that should be our example. And so as the God-man, Jesus was full of grace and truth. He did not have just a little of both, but was full of all truth and all grace. He is our example. But as we read that, and come down to verse 16, he was full of grace and truth. And then verse 16 says, and of his fullness, well, what fullness? Well, just, we were just told that he was full of grace and truth. And of that fullness of grace and truth, we've received. What a blessing. We've received of his fullness of grace and truth. And, and John, as he writes this, he kind of zeroes in on the grace part. He's full of grace and truth, and of that fullness we have all received, and grace for grace, or grace upon grace. It's the idea that he just keeps piling grace upon grace upon grace in our lives. And it's a good thing, isn't it? Romans chapter 2 tells us that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Sin was piled upon me, sin upon sin upon sin, and he needed to pile his grace upon grace upon grace upon me because of my sin. And so we recognize that as he's full of this grace and truth, we have received of that fullness. And as Christ is full of grace and truth, we have received of his fullness as he has given us grace upon grace because where sin abounded, grace indeed did much more abound. Then in verse 17 he says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now don't, don't misunderstand what he's saying there. Some that verse, you know, the, 
the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So the law was the law, and there was no grace. In the Old Testament, you know, God was just a kind of a mean, judgmental God, and, and grace didn't come until Christ came. That's not what this verse says at all. There was plenty of grace in the Old Testament. There was grace abounding in the Old Testament as well. We see the grace of God in that lineage of Christ. He was gracious towards Jacob. He was gracious towards Judah. He was gracious towards Rahab. The whole Old Testament sacrificial system was out of God's grace. He provided a way for man to cover his sin. And as man was able to cover his sin through that sacrificial system, they could have a relationship with the Holy God. The Old Testament is full of grace. What's he mean here, though, when he says that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ? What it means is that grace came through Jesus Christ. He was gracious in the Old Testament with the anticipation that Christ was coming. He was able to offer that sacrificial system as a way to cover over the sin until the ultimate sacrifice came that would take away the sin. But he's able to show that grace because he knew Christ was coming and that grace came through Christ. If Christ would not have come, he would not have been able to be gracious in the Old Testament. And if Christ had not come, he would not be able to be gracious in the New Testament. Grace comes through Jesus Christ, whether it's Old or New Testament, whether it's the Old Testament or the church age in which we live now. It's all because of Christ. He couldn't be gracious if Christ had not come. In the Old Testament, that sacrificial system, the blood of bulls and goats couldn't take away sin. It could cover the sin, but he's able to be gracious because he knew Christ was coming. And grace came through Christ. And he's able to forgive us today and be gracious towards us today because Christ came and died for our sin. And that's what Christmas ultimately is all about. You hear me say it all the time, and I'm going to repeat it. And I was going to say until I retire, but until I die, <laughs> I'm going to repeat it. The nativity scene without the shadow of the cross is meaningless. He came to die. And grace came through Jesus Christ. God is able to be gracious both Old and New Testament because Christ came. And he died for our sins. And so we recognize in chapter 1 of John, verse 17, it says that grace came by Jesus Christ. But that does not mean that there was no grace in the Old Testament Grace came through Jesus Christ. And grace in both the Old and New Testament was bestowed because Christ came and died for us. As we consider this grace this morning, some want to use the grace of God as a license to sin. They think, well, if God's going to be gracious to me, then I guess I can just live any way I want to and he'll, he'll forgive me. And they use it as a license to sin. But when we go to Titus chapter 2, and we don't need to turn to it this morning, but in Titus chapter 2 it says, the, the grace that appears to all men brings salvation. Grace that appears to all men brings salvation. This grace of God, which is through Jesus Christ, brings salvation. In other words, Christ brings salvation. And as Christ brings this salvation, we can rejoice because in Titus chapter 2, we are told that Christ gave himself for us to redeem us 
from our sin and to purify us unto himself. That's how he brings salvation. Christ brings salvation and through that that death upon the cross, God is able to be gracious to us and that grace brings salvation. But it's through Christ and Christ alone. There is no other means of salvation. He gave himself to redeem us from our sin and to purify us unto himself. But then there in Titus chapter 2, it goes on and and tells us that this, this grace teaches us. Teaches us that we are to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. It doesn't teach us license to sin, God's going to be gracious, he's going to forgive me, so I guess I'll live any way I want. No, grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. This, this grace that comes through Jesus Christ that brings salvation, it teaches us not license, but teaches us what to do and what not to do. He says we are to, not, to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We're, and that word deny literally means to say no. We are to say no to ungodliness. What's ungodliness? I suppose the best, simplest thing we can say about ungodliness is ungodliness is simply living our lives as if God has no authority over it. That's an ungodly life. Living our lives as if God has no authority over my life. We're to deny ungodliness. We're to say no to that way of thinking that God has no authority. God has absolute authority over my life. We're to deny worldly lust. The the lust of this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We're to deny, we're to say no to the lust of this world. That's what grace teaches us. If God's going to be so gracious to me out of his love for me, then, then I need to say no to those things that are going to grieve him. If I'm going to live my life as if he has no authority over me, there you go, Spike. <laughs> I'm getting too excited. I can do it. I can do it. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> If I'm going to live my life as if I have no, God has no authority over my life, then, then I'm not understanding grace at all. If I'm not saying no to the lust of this world, I have no understanding of God's grace whatsoever. It goes on and says it teaches us to live soberly, righteously in God. To live soberly, to, to have solid biblical thinking. To live righteously. To live according to what God says is right and wrong, not what I say. To live soberly, righteously, and godly. To live as if he does have authority in my life. That's what grace teaches us. And as we understand grace, we'll live our lives in a way that pleases him and does not grieve him. Because he came, Christ came, so that God could bestow grace upon us and give us salvation It brings salvation, but that salvation teaches us, that grace teaches us how we need to live. And then Titus 2 goes on and is looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because of the grace of God that comes through Jesus Christ, we have a blessed hope. And that blessed hope is that this same Jesus who who we celebrate this morning in his birth, that same Jesus is coming again. 
And he's coming again to take us to be with himself as we've placed faith in Jesus Christ. That's the blessed hope that we have. He may come yet in 2022, 2022 or he may come in 2023. I, I don't know when he's coming. Like I said earlier, I hope he comes before I retire. That's the best retirement plan I can think of. And I hope he comes. We need to live every day as if he is. Because this same Jesus whom we celebrate this morning in his birth, he did come and he died on the cross for our sins. And through faith in him, we have a blessed hope that we'll spend eternity with him. And so, apart from Christ, from what Christ did, God could not be gracious. This grace of God is not a license to sin, but teaches us what to do and what not to do. And because of God's grace through Christ, we indeed have a blessed hope. This same Jesus who was born as a baby and died for our sins is coming again to take us to be with him. That's what we need to remember this Christmas day. Not just the nativity scene, but the cross and the return of Christ. So on this Christmas day, let's not forget that grace came through Jesus Christ. And if Jesus would not have come as a man to die for our sins, then there would be no grace, there'd be no salvation, there'd be no hope. That is indeed the good tidings of great joy. And I'm trusting this morning that you're here rejoicing, not just in a baby in a manger, but a Savior who died on the cross and a king who is coming again. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we're so grateful this morning again for the opportunity just to, to worship our Savior. We thank you that we have that blessed hope that he is coming again. And so we don't stop simply at the nativity scene this morning, but our minds go to the cross and our minds go to his future return. Thank you for piling grace upon grace in our lives. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son. Thank you for the grace that is ours through salvation, the grace that is ours in denying ungodliness and worldly lust and living soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Thank you that your grace abounds and will continue abound throughout eternity. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. outside so as we leave this morning out here in the foyer there is some hot chocolate if you'd like some help yourself and enjoy let's stand together for prayer again father as we continue to celebrate this day as we spend time with with family or whoever we may be with we just ask that we would continue to meditate upon these truths of our Savior and the salvation and the grace that comes through him. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning and Merry Christmas.